Hello, I'm Brent Bell, and welcome to the Darlington Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lee Hark, head of Green Hill School in Addison, Texas, right outside of Dallas. Lee is a member of the Darlington Class of 1989 and Leadership Darlington Class of 2017. Today, we'll be talking about his experiences at Darlington, his life since Darlington, the connections that he's made through the Darlington Connects program, and his experience leading a school during a pandemic. Enjoy. Welcome to the Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia. Join us as we take a look inside and outside our classrooms and connect with students, teachers, alumni, and more. Well, thank you for joining us today, Lee. Uh, I appreciate you making the time uh, during what has certainly been a very busy uh, school year. Uh, how are you doing today? Uh, doing great, Brent. It's great to connect. Always good to uh, be in touch with Darlington. Well, excellent. Why don't we start there? Tell us uh, a little bit more about your Darlington experience. It's it's unique. Yeah, so um, Darlington is a something that runs through my family, has for a long time. My grandfather was class of 27, and my great-grandfather, Bill Judd, was head of school for a little bit um, and a longtime chemistry teacher there. And my brother, my uncle, all my male relatives um, went to the school. And then on the female side, they went to Thornwood. And I, I came to Darlington as a, as a first grader in 1977 and was there for, for nine years before folks got remarried and moved away, moved to Virginia, but spent nine great, great years at Darlington. And what, when did, what year did you leave the school? What was that for you and your, your experience? Yeah. After ninth grade, I left in 1986, finished high school in Virginia. And that was not the end of your Darlington experience, correct? No, it wasn't. I, I went to Chapel Hill after I graduated high school. And then um, I remember, and I'll never forget it, I was in my loft asleep, about to head to my restaurant job in Chapel Hill. And Brad Joy called and asked me if I wanted to come down and interview for a teaching internship position. And I was going to law school. I had, I had enrolled in law school, but didn't really want to go. And uh, so I took Brad up on the offer and, and came down and kind of fell back in love with the school. And Brad and I had stayed in touch some over the years. And, you know, he's just somebody I admire and respect a lot and um, had always loved Arlington and, and had, there, you know, felt like there's a part of me that hadn't been able to kind of complete something that I wanted to complete. And so fortunately, I don't know why, but, but I, I was offered that internship and uh, I took the job. And I remember I was in the field house with Sam Moss. He was showing me this little shoebox apartment and he offered me $10,000 and he said, I would never have more disposable income in my life. <laughs> and I think that was the only time Sam ever lied to me, um, but, uh, but took that job and, and, um, and it was amazing. I never really looked back in terms of my career in education. Um, after that moment, I just, Fell in love with the school, fell in love with teaching, and and honestly, fell fell back in love with Darlington, and uh, um, and here I am, almost thirty years later. Well, let's let's uh, trace that trajectory a little bit. I was trying to think about when we met uh, in our uh, sort of somewhat parallel journeys a little bit. Um, I can't yeah. remember if you were in Charlotte or Durham, but but kind of uh, sort of take us to your journey to Green Hill um, from Darlington. Sure. So I was I was at Darlington for five years. I and it's funny the only year that I've ever been a full time teacher was my first year at Darlington in my entire career. And and it's one of the things that I love most about the school when I was there. 
so Brad left the year after I got there um, to go to Montgomery Bell. And, and so David Rhodes took over as, as head and Jim McCauley was still there at the time. And the, but the thing I, I loved about working at, at Darlington was that I got to do lots of different things. And it really set me up to, to be able to, to get where I am now. I was in admissions for two years. I was I ran South Hall for a couple of years. I was director of activities. After that, I left and um, went to work at Choke for a couple of years and, and a lot of the same capacities and then realized that if I spent the rest of my life in, in little towns like Rome, Georgia and Wallingford, Connecticut, I was never ever going to start a family. And so I said, it might be a good time to go back to university town. And I worked on a doctorate at UVA for a couple of years, which is where I met my wife and we started our family. And then I was in Providence. I was in Charlotte at Providence Day for four years as dean of students. And then that's when you and I met when we were in the Aspiring Heads program. Um, so that would have been sometime around 2005, six, something like that, um, when we were much younger people. And, Our hair was uh, browner. That's right. Mine too. And uh, and then 10 years at Durham Academy as the upper school director there and assistant head, and then now three years here at, at Green Hill as the head of school. But I really do trace it back to uh, to Darlington. I learned so many things during those five years there and, you know, back with people like Sam Moss and David Powell, David Rhodes, George Awesome, you know, some of the people who have been the most influential people in my life, you know, to to go back and be their colleagues again and learn from them and learn how to teach. I, mean, I remember I team taught a course with Raymond Murray. I learned more from Raymond in terms of what to do and what not to do in a classroom than I think in any other teaching experience in my life. Um, so really just very fortunate to have that opportunity and to be able to, to use that as a platform to build on. And, and, and again, I mean, I, I would not be ahead of school if not for Darlington. Great. Some great names there that, uh, our listeners will will definitely uh, relate to for, for sure. So you uh, you touched earlier on some of the relationships, um, either uh, as a student or or and perhaps as a, a faculty member as well. Yeah. Uh, any uh, stories that uh, you remember that maybe connect to even what you're still doing today, or you remember and they've they've provided you with some some guidance or some. Uh, some wisdom. Yeah, there are a couple. One that, that really sticks out to me, um, David Sellers, um, longtime member of the English department, was my freshman English teacher. And I remember we were having an oral vocabulary quiz and sort of the whole class was kind of taking part in this quiz and um, a trick that I had used myself uh, a time or two. Um, but um, I remember some students were missing things and uh, getting some wrong answers or whatever. And I, I saw my collective grade going down. And I was complaining to Mr. Sellers that this wasn't fair, right? That I'd prepared, I was ready. Uh, why should it be that these other students were, were going to affect my grade? And I remember he looked at me and he said, I'll tell you what's fair. I'm the teacher and you're the student. That's what's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and he was absolutely right. And I was, I was uh, at that point, I was kind of a, a snot-nosed, privileged little guy and uh, needed a few lessons like that to adjust. But um, so David was great and an important influence. But, you know, I think uh, two of the names I mentioned before, um, David Powell, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't think there's been anybody in my career who's who's had more influence on me and sort of the kind of the way I view students and working in schools and teaching and, and administrating. Um, you know, he was, he was extraordinary. And, and so was George. I mean, George, you know, I was a theater kid. I was a scholar bowl kid, you know, so I hung around George's room a lot and uh, took his cinema class. I was too young to take AP Humanities, which was George's signature course for a long time. But, mm -hmm. um, I, I'll never forget watching all the AP Humanities kids studying the slides on the slide boards outside of George's office, um, which I know is, is 
terribly outdated now, but um, it just seemed like the coolest thing in the world, you know. And so I, I took a cinema class and, you know, just just the idea that um, some young 14, 15 year old kid could have ideas that could approach something intellectual and that that a teacher, an adult would believe that I had important things or interesting things to say, like, you know, that had a pretty powerful effect on me. So those are two who, you know, really impacted me. And then just, you know, the opportunity to come back and work with some of them. And as I said, you know, working with somebody like Sam, who's been in the school for so long and meant so much to it. Gordon Neville was my math teacher in, in middle school. And, and you know, to be able to come back and work with a person of his caliber, like those things have an impact. And that's, you know, I, I do have kind of a, I'm not the first alum to come back and work at the school, but, but I, you know, my journey is a little bit different in that I, I left for a time. I didn't actually graduate. And, and that's another thing that, um, has really meant a lot to me over the years is that Darlington has always considered me an alumnus. Um, you know, a lot of schools, you're sort of a former student. Um, there's a different right. status if you don't graduate. And, you know, that, that's just meant a lot to me. And that's that, you know, to me, that means I'm going to stay engaged with the school and do what I can to support it. And, you know, there's always been, Darlington has always sort of opened its arms to me. And, you know, I'm never going to forget that. One of the uh, aspects of this uh, podcast series is is really to uh, speak to that idea of connection that occurs here at, at the school and would be interested to know, obviously, you've had a, a really compelling career journey. Many of our students are interested in education as a career choice. Um, and, uh, you know, as what would be that advice that you would give, um, you know, someone as a, an undergrad or uh, early in their in their career, uh, what, what advice would you offer those? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say one, there's, you know, in my view, and I know you'd agree with me, Brent, there's nothing better you can do with your life, uh, than to be a teacher. Um, you know, it's an opportunity to, to give to people every day you work and, um, you know, not, not every, not every avocation is like that. So it's a, it's a high calling for sure. Um, I think, you know, if you're thinking specifically about getting into, or if, if, if our alums, young folks in college are, are thinking about getting into independent schools, um, the, the, the advice that I would give that I think is most important is do your homework and figure out the schools where you are mission aligned. You know, that that's the most important thing. Like there are lots of great schools out there and great jobs, and great communities. But the times that I have really that have been so the most important work experiences to me where I felt the most connection are when I felt like my personal values mesh neatly or overlap with the institution where I'm working. And I, I definitely felt that at Durham Academy. I definitely feel, feel that at Green Hill. And it's a very powerful experience when that happens. And it doesn't always happen. And I think the, the, the I guess the advice I would have is don't assume that it's true. You know, really look into what the school stands for, how it lives its mission, how it describes itself. Um, those Answering those questions are way more important than the structure of the school or where it is. Um, because they can they can lead to really powerful work experiences and they can lead to some bad ones too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and probably be uh, be prepared to work harder than you thought you were going to have to. <laughs> absolutely, I remember. I mean, I remember one night we were we were up in the dining hall washing dishes because the dishwasher broke. I mean, I, you know, and that and that also was was something unique that I found at at Darlington, part of it was, of course, I was a very young man and willing to do whatever the school needed me to do. And um, so the time was a bit different, but you know, you, you definitely have to have a roll up your sleeves mentality in an independent school, uh, especially when you're starting your career. I mean, schools are built 
on the backs of, of young teachers. That's just sort of the way it goes. And Darlington was no exception. And it doesn't, it's not a negative thing. It's just sort of the way it works. And um, we had a great group when I was there in the early nineties, a you know, great group of young teachers who, um, you know, were really engaged with the school and loved it. And, but you got to have that, you got to have that, that work ethic. And you're absolutely right. You are going to work a lot harder than you think. A Darlington student is made up of many things, none of which is average. Darlington is helping me develop my interests, passions, and pursuits because they believe every individual has something to contribute. And only when you're 100% you are you 100% Darlington. Hi, I'm Daria Black, and I'm a four-year boarding student from Cinnaminson, New Jersey, and helped co-found Darlington's Black Student Union. I am 47% lively leader, 33% thought for thespian, and 20% global thinker which makes me 100% Darlington. Find out how you can be 100% Darlington too by requesting a personal campus tour at www.darlingtonschool.org visit or contacting admission at darlingtonschool.org. Well, Lee, tell me a little bit about Green Hill. And then I want to hear a little bit about how you guys have navigated uh, through this uh, this year of, of challenge and uncertainty, because I think our our listeners will be be fascinated to hear, um, you know, from different perspectives, um, what, what's been going on out there. So tell us a little bit about Green Hill first. For sure. Yeah. So we're a, a pre-K through 12 co-ed day school in, in Dallas, Texas, a pretty big one. We're not just north, I think, of 1,340 students um, to one of the biggest schools in the in the city. Um, have, a, you know, one of the nice things about us, I think one of the ways that we define ourselves is that we're a, a pretty progressive school, um, you know, longstanding multi-decade commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, we've been doing that work for a long time. And I think um, when you come on our campus, you can you can tell the results or see the results of that work. And it's a big part of who we are and, and a big part, frankly, of the reason why I moved my family halfway across the country to come out here. Um, so it's a great place, great community, um, really unique in our city. Um, and uh, and from the level of interest um, that we have going right now, I think a lot of people like what we're doing and the way we're positioning ourselves. So um, it's a pretty healthy, healthy place. I do I do miss working in a boarding school, but it's it's been a while uh, <laughs> since uh, I left I left Choate in two thousand. Um, so it's I, I'm not sure that I got those muscles anymore, Brent. Uh, but um, yeah, day school is a different, a different animal, but, um, and we've done, we've done well in, in, in COVID. I mean, we, um, like everybody else, you know, we're, um, surprised by the speed of it in, in the uh, early spring, but we did our best to, um, you know, respond to it, to keep our community safe. And then, you know, when, you know, set about putting in place, um, protocols that we thought would keep us, keep us safe in the fall. And, And so we were able to open, pretty much um, on our normal opening date with both remote learning and, and in-person schooling. And um, for most of the year, you know, we've, we've fluctuated between, you know, 75, 80% of our, our students on campus and the remainder at home um, in the, in a remote learning program. And I, I've been really proud of our folks, um, our faculty of, you know, like faculties, I'm sure this is true at Darlington. I mean, the faculties across the country have worked so hard um, to, to make this all work. And, you know, the idea of teaching 
kids in the classroom and at home simultaneously, it's, 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 it's much harder than people give it credit for being, you know, especially, I mean, I'm an English teacher. I can, I think I can do a pretty good job of fostering discussion, that kind of thing. But if you're trying to teach a lab, um, it just, it creates all kinds of logistical challenges. So our, our folks are pretty tired and, um, you know, the bulk of them now are vaccinated. So I think there's a, you know, that level of anxiety that's been lifted a little bit from where we were before. Um, but, but now it's really just dealing with, with fatigue. And, and I would say the same for our, our parent body it really has been extraordinary. I mean, they, they've extended us a lot of grace and patience as we've worked to make this work and to keep everybody safe. And, and obviously I, I'm sure Darlington's the same. The school year looks so different from what we normally would do. You know, these schools are built on person to person contact, right? I mean, that's, that's what makes schools like Darlington, makes schools like Green Hill special, unique, worth the, worth the investment. And when you can't do those things, um, it sure doesn't feel like, you know, a normal school day. And so, you know, we've, we've slowly begun to reintroduce a few things, trying to salvage a bit of the spring for our seniors. And right. we opened up our playground for the lower school. It was the biggest news uh, in three months on our campus was the monkey bars were open. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives you a sense of, of how desperately our kids are, you know, ready to get back at it. But, um, but we've made it through pretty successfully. We've, I think we've had um, maybe 105 cases in our community, both students and employees. Fortunately, no one's been seriously ill. And, um, you know, when we've had cases, we've been able to cr- control the spread pretty effectively based on the protocols we've had in place. So, so we've done pretty well. We've done pretty well. Great, great. And, and I know that, um, you know, irregardless of exactly what the year is, that, that parents and children knowing they can go to school each day is, I think we're going to look back and, and feel like that was a huge gift. Um, and yeah. certainly we're, we're, we're proud of that here, that we've been able to, to have at least that consistency uh, of the school year. You mentioned uh, reopening the, the playground. Uh, when, you, when you reflect a little bit, what's, what, what do you, what's a decision uh, that, that you all made as a leadership team that you were like, that was a great decision? <laughs> uh, well, you know, one that comes to mind that was the most contentious was, you know, really early on, um, sort of telling our faculty, like, that the job is on campus, um, you know, that we need you here. Um, you know, initially, uh, there was a lot of resistance to coming back to campus, and and I understood it, um, and I didn't relish the the, the tension or the, the kind of distance that that put between me and the, the faculty, but we really stuck to that. And, uh, you know, I think it was the right decision. I think, I think that's been borne out over time, but you know, it wasn't a, a happy one or an easy one. Um, you know, I, I would imagine a lot of the protocols we've, we've put in place have been very similar um, to, to what Darlington's done. I mean, you know, we've done some things like, you know, going remote after Thanksgiving, going remote after winter break. Um, again, that were really tough decisions because, you know, that puts a, a, a significant burden on families with younger kids right. and, and also on on families, you know, for whom there's some socioeconomic disparity, right? I mean, it's, it's just every decision. This has been the real challenge for me, Brent. I'm sure you, I'm sure you can commiserate. I mean, it, every decision is just so fraught because it's gonna it's gonna disproportionately affect somebody that you don't want to, and you're dealing with incomplete information. You're never making decisions based on all the information that you need, and. Uh, and that's been a real challenge. That's been a real challenge. We've, we've done our best. We've, you know, we did, um, we, we, we put out, when we first started, 
um, working through this, we said, we're going to be as transparent as possible. We're going to over communicate. We're going to let you know sort of where these decisions are coming from and, and, and give you lead time families and faculty. So, you know, they're coming and we're going to keep our most vulnerable people at the forefront of our decision-making. Those were the things we said we would do. And in the service of doing our very best to keep the school open and through, you know, the dent of a lot of hard work, we were able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a, a one player in the midst of you right. know, a lot of people helping make those decisions, but um, I've got a great team here and, uh, and, and again, a, a hardworking faculty and, and, and a parent body who, as you say, we're just very grateful that we were able to maintain some sense of normal school. And uh, so we were able to make it through so far. Yeah, so that's right. That's right. We're, we're, we're coming coming down the home stretch for sure. And the spring's always an exciting uh, time of year. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, I think both of us see a lot of, um, you know, how is this going to change education? How is this going to change uh, mm-hmm. schools moving forward? And I think uh, at the same time, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I think this is pretty safe to say um, our schools, as you mentioned earlier, are built on that face to face interpersonal human contact. Um, but I feel like there are uh, certainly some things that we'll probably take away um, and move forward uh, into the future as, as something, wow, this is, uh, has worked really well and, and it's something that, that we can continue. Um, drive through graduation, not one of those things. Uh, at Darlington, uh, so we need to talk about, uh, talk about this and to do it better. And I said, I don't ever want to do this again. So let's not, uh, let's not. Uh, brief uh, that, but um, anything that you guys are excited about uh, as you look to the future? Um... Yeah, I mean, I think there are some things that. Uh, so here's the major one, and then I'll, I'll I'll speak to a couple smaller things. But but I think the thing that it proved more than anything else is that this school can make significant decisions quickly. You know, we invented, like Darlington, like every, or like a lot of schools in the country, we invented an educational platform in three days. And it wasn't great, right? It wasn't, it certainly wasn't what we were able to get to um, in terms of what we offered in the fall. But, you know, when there's a sense of urgency, we can really move quickly and decisively and do great things. And, I have reminded our people of that. They don't love the fact that I've reminded them of that. But, you know, I said, look, this is we're able to. So, so don't come to me in the future and say we can't do this. It's we need more time. We need this. We can do these things. We can be decisive and 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 um, make big moves. I mean, the middle school, uh, the, the upper school, they worked on a for a year to design um, the move to the block schedule that they had planned on moving to at you know, right at the start of, of 2021. And the middle school decided over the summer they were going to do the same thing without the year of, of study. Now, of course, when we have a chance to look at it, there are lots of things we want to tweak and change and improve. But at the same time, they launched a completely new schedule in a couple of weeks. And, and so that to me is extraordinary and also proof positive that our communities can be nimble and, and move decisively and quickly. You know, there are some things that we'll probably, um, you know, put in the in the quiver for, um, you know, future things. I, I think, you know, being more flexible with 
you know, online conferences and, you know, providing our parents some more flexibility with some scheduling, things like that. I'm all for it. If that's something our, our parents want and the faculty are okay with it. Again, it does, it's not a substitute, I think, for face-to-face contact, but, you know, some of those things facilitate um, good things. You know, a lot of our evening programs that have moved to Zoom, our attendance has been through the roof. Right. And, and so, you know, to me, that's, I think that's our community saying, Hey, like, let's take a look at this, you know, not, maybe not all of our evening programs need to go to zoom, but, but, you know, some of these, especially the educational ones, if it's easier for parents to attend, if they can, you know, get their kids fed and, and, and sort of unwind at home and, and then um, tune in, that, that's fine. Do I want a zoom based parents night? Absolutely not. You right. Know? not in favor of that at all. Same with you and the drive-through graduation. I, you know, I, I don't want to go back to that and I don't want people to think that that's a good idea or who we're going to become because it's not. Um, but there are a few of those things that I think, you know, we could, this will improve our scheduling. This will improve mm-hmm. our attendance at various events. Mm-hmm. Well, great. So just a couple more questions um, yeah. to finish up today. So um, first one, you know, obviously uh, you're, you're fairly famous uh, in the, recent times in the Darlington community for your uh, epic school closing uh, videos and songs. Um, besides uh, creating uh, that kind of work, what else do you like to do uh, outside of your uh, job uh, that uh, enriches your life? What are, what are some of your uh, fun things that you like to do with your time, Lee? Um, well, I, I exercise a fair bit. I still, I remember speaking to my favorite places on the Darlington campus, being out on the tennis courts and getting beat up by um, all of our tennis players um, and Carlos Ortega and various others. It was, uh, um, I'm more of a tennis enthusiast than a, uh, a skilled tennis player, but I love tennis, love playing and um, work out a bunch. I'm an Orange Theory guy and uh, that's been a, a game changer for me, which I really enjoy. It's just competitive enough that it feels like I'm participating in a team sport, but, uh, uh, helps to keep me fit. Mm-hmm. I read a lot, um, you know, for a long time until last year, I, I mean, I, I taught every year. Um, and so I really enjoyed, I was, a, I, I taught, um, nonfiction, uh, narrative nonfiction and specifically like the AP Lingen comp class for years and years and loved teaching that class. So I loved compiling stuff for that reading things. Um, I don't, I don't have, unfortunately I don't have time for it, uh, these days, but, um, but I'm a big reader and, and I, you know, I like you, Brent, I know this about you. I just, I love immersing myself in the life of the school. Like, you know, it's, it's something that doesn't tire me out. I get energy from it. And, um, you know, this, this is a job that'll take every bit, uh, that, that you'll give to it. Um, and then some, but, um, uh, but I really do enjoy it and, and love being a part of this community. So, um, I guess, I guess the school is kind of a pastime too. Um, I don't, I don't want to make myself sound like a martyr cause I'm not, but no, no. Uh, that's well said. That's well said. All right. So we'll throw in another one. Give, give our listeners a, a quick, uh, book recommendation, maybe something that you think would be good for the, the Darlington community to, to check out. Well, I mean, some of these are old, but you know, um, Dave Eggers, a heartbreaking worker, staggering genius is just an all time favorite. It's been on my list of, of nonfiction, like classics forever. Um, so that's one I would point to, um, the writing of JJ Sullivan. He's got a great collection of essays called Pulphead, which I highly recommend. And then, um, for more mature listeners, uh, David Foster Wallace, uh, the amazing essayist, the late David Foster Wallace, um, any of his books I'd put at the top of my list too. 
All right. Excellent. Those are good, good recommendations. All right. So final question. How would you tell everyone uh, that you're a Darlington Tiger without saying you're a Darlington Tiger? I am just flummoxed by this question. Uh, it's a great one. Uh, I, this is a complete failure of imagination, I'm afraid, uh, Mr. Bell. Um, I bleed purple and white and always have. All right. There you go. Perfect. Well, Lee, thanks for joining us and uh, thanks for connecting with the Darlington community. Uh, it's great to be with you, Brent, and go Tigers, as always. All right. Take care. All right, man. Thanks. The Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia, is a collaboration between the communication, advancement, and IT teams, and the intro music is student-produced. See show notes and hear more episodes at www.darlingtonschool.org podcast.